Hello, everyone. Uh, thank you for downloading this podcast. Um, this is a second in the series of the Talk Talk podcast, which is aimed at bringing new and upcoming companies to explain what they're doing in their markets, why they're innovative and what they're trying to do, but also show how they have used low-code platforms um, to actually bring themselves to market quicker and help expediate uh, their solutions to their customers. So today we have with us Mike Smith from Solonet. Hi, Mike. Hi, Keith. Um, Mike and Solonet have be as a wealth of experience in the security sector, um, and I'll let Mike fill you in on all of that. But without further ado, we will go into uh, uh, our conversation with Mike and uh, take you through where Solonet are, where they've been and how and what problem they solved and what innovation they brought to uh, solve that problem. So, Mike, would you like to just introduce yourself, give a background uh, to your career, where you've been, and, and then why you wanted to start Solonet? Yeah, no problem. Thanks, Keith. Thanks um, for allowing me to join you today on this podcast. So, yeah, my background um, is effectively I started life as a graduate software engineer for a telecoms company, um, AT&T. So um, actually worked on developing code for soft, uh, for telecom circuit switches. And that kind of gave me the foundations really to then look at um, what I was doing, you know, in terms of my professional career and where I wanted to go. And obviously over time, things changed in the telco world. We moved over from circuit switching to software switching, voice over IP. And that's, again, a change of um, sort of direction for me then was to join a startup called Sonus Networks, right. based out in, in Boston. So well, there was a small team of us that were just basically there to write the signaling um, software for their product. And um, from that, I met a couple of other colleagues at the time. And one of those guys, I started working on how we test the product. So one of the... Ah issues that Sonos were facing where they had thousands of different tests that they needed to perform to get um, regulatory compliance to operate in certain countries. Right. And obviously the challenge was we're all developers. Yeah, we love writing code. We hate testing it. <laughs> so it was how do we then test this code? Um, so we came up with a test harness, an automated test harness, um, working with one of uh, the um, test uh, products that we had in our lab at Sonus, which was um, a catapult uh, yeah. communications. So they ran a, a product called MGTS, which was basically um, a, like a software stack that could test all the signaling. So we developed, you know, thousands of tests and this harness, which could execute them overnight, collate all the results, send out a little email that says, here's your results. And by the way, here's the problems. So straight away we were getting some benefit with um, the developers in the team that could focus then on the problems fix Got those, and retest them and then we thought this is kind of a good idea this could go somewhere so we then left sonus and set up a company ourselves called apotheosis right and we developed in partnership with catapult we developed um, a testing product and that was really just again leveraging the catapult hardware with our software to to drive it and um we then successfully demonstrated that to o2 and effectively sold that product into o2 and they were using it for um sort of proving their their code base on yep. their core network yeah and, and their um 
sort of RAN network. And from there, um, unfortunately, Catapult got um, took over by Ixia, and Ixia actually had a product of their own, which was uh-huh. the um, test harness uh, and effectively an in, an injection engine for for testing IP and, and VoIP. So we were kind of seen as a, as competing with their own product, and that, and that's where that relationship unfortunately ended. Um, but from our from our point of view, we'd obviously learned a hell of a lot during that period of time. We'd learned how to you know go out and talk to customers. And we had a team of people working for us as well, developing our product. Um, and that really set, the, again, a change of direction for me to then move over into um, consultancy work. So using right. uh, Solanet at that time, yeah. so 2006, we f- I formed Solanet. And I used that as a company to offer my services to clients through consultancy. Um, I've been doing that since then. Um and that started with, again, focusing more on the network test assurance work and services, yeah. but then quickly on to sort of network um, design through to network implementation, um, architecture, and then focusing on the security aspect. So uh-huh. of the uh, security controls that companies look to deploy in sort of enterprise level organizations, I was involved with from design right through to implementation. And that kind of spans the usual classic kind of hardware like firewalls, um, yeah. but also overlaying services on top and technology like web proxies, access control systems, um, IAM system solutions, um, all, all the sort of things that enterprises work with. And that quickly led into like the security operations world. Yes, yeah. So I then started to become more involved with the SOC, working with SOC analysts, with their SEAMs. So just going to stop you there, SOC. Yeah. So Security Operations Center. Yeah. And then a SEAM, Security Instant Event Monitoring Solution. So yeah. companies will generally want to have visibility of what's happening on in, in their network, on their systems. And what they'll do is they'll send logs from those um, platforms into a SEAM. So yeah. it's an aggregation correlation capability. And then they'll have a team of people that will be looking at those logs and looking for indicators of compromise, looking at certain aspects to the logs that they may want to take action on or investigate further. And we're talking probably now six, seven, maybe eight years ago, there really wasn't anything on the market that could help them um, with the sort of identifying the false positives, helping them automate and orchestrate their workflows. It's a very manual process. and so kind of as technologies evolved, it's again helped in terms of our inputs, my inputs and, and the direction that I've taken, where I've now sort of moved into specifically looking at that security layer and what technologies, what capabilities are out there to help people in those organizations. So so are you bringing your, because it sounds obviously, you know, we, we, we've been working together for a while now, but I hadn't had to realize that your background is actually in software development then testing and obviously testing is one of the first areas around automation yeah that was one of the first areas or in my view i think it was in terms of to really harness the power of automation to actually speed up uh, the cost of delivery and, and cutting cost etc so you're actually taking your expertise in in that world of automation and bringing it into the world of actually how can we do that in in the security world uh, and supporting security analysts to to uh, to speed up their response times, I'm assuming, to to uh, 
to to those alerts and those uh, notifications absolutely. yeah yeah absolutely i think um having a kind of basis in software development and as you say the testing cycles and how you how you do effective testing and automation spawns from that um has given us a good basis to to work from i mean uh, our ethos is all about problem solving. So yeah. we are looking at the problems that people face, how we solve those, but not just solving them through um, the standard kind of, well, go and buy this tech, go and buy this service. We're looking at a creative way to make sure that, you know, people that come to us with a problem, we can give them a solution that fits what they need rather than something generic that they may, you know, get in and struggle with in terms of actually getting the value from from that kind of implementation we're looking at um you know bespoke solutions right through to technologies that are available but may need some um you know refinements to really get the benefit got you so it's so it's about optimizing the different solutions that enterprise use uh around their sock and saw uh, and and enabling them to to deliver uh, a higher level of, uh, of assurance around the security systems yeah. uh, using automation and orchestration to actually to manage those processes without having to keep loading more people into those Absolutely. those centers. So, yeah, a lot of the challenges that organizations face that we've seen, and I've worked in it as well. So I know the pain that the analysts go through when they're looking at a problem and they're there till the early hours trying to figure out how to resolve it because of the processes that they've got to work with or the tooling that they've got to work with. And, you know, again, with that knowledge, um, it puts a different perspective on how you approach things. And I guess that's where, again, our creativity comes in. And we're looking at, you've got guys that are sort of highly skilled analysts in a SOC. You want them to be doing um, and maximizing what they do with their skill set. You don't want them following a mundane process that might be cumbersome, time-consuming, or pulling reports together. Um, you, you want them actually focused on what they're good at and what you brought them into the team to do, which is you know, looking at threats, and identifying threats, and then looking at how you remediate, mitigate, can you know, contain those threats. Um, and that's been a, a real challenge that I've certainly seen in large organizations where you end up with um, a team more focused on the mundane process work than actually doing that or or you know doing their continual improvement by doing those sorts of activities so so what how do companies get into that state then what what are the preceding factors because obviously there's a lot of legacy involved there's a lot yeah. of history but if you could take us through you know a sort of an experience that those companies you work with i'm assuming um, and please correct me that your market is around the large SME enterprise market where they've got large stacks of of, I think, of different software that, that that need to coordinate together. Well, it's a kind of it's a mix, I think, um, and, and it's the ch different challenges for different size of organization. But right. certainly the large enterprises that um, we've worked with, the, the, the fundamental problem they have, it, it comes down to the alert fatigue and by that, I mean, they've got, as you say, legacy systems, they've got lots of different controls deployed disparately across their organization. And what they do to start with is they'll try and collate all the information into one location. So yeah. that's where the seam technology comes in. Um, and they'll just basically flood that with, with the logs from all of these systems. So the challenge then is how do you then sift through that volume of logs to identify a, a, a true issue, a, a real um 
alerts that you need to action because a lot of the time you're getting alerts which um, are just general system alerts. They're not really anything malicious. It's just the, the way the platform's reporting some information. But you've got a team of guys, eyes on that, that are focused on what they're seeing and they can't see you know, the true positives from the false positives. So right. the first challenge is always how do you reduce um, the logs to high fidelity to actionable items that you want the guys focused on? And that's where, again, from a technology point of view, we looked at SOAR as a new new technology, yeah. so security yeah. orchestration automation response, allows um, and, uh, you to build the kind of um, high fidelity approach to dealing with those logs and also enables you then to build in a level of automation orchestration to help with what the analyst um, needs next. And generally, the analysts will need more context to yeah. what's happening. So... You know, you've got your initial alert. Um, it's it's something that should be investigated, but you need the context. Where did it come from? Where did it originate from? Yeah. Um, what's the timeline? What's happening at that moment in time? And again, historically, that would have been a swivel chair exercise for the analyst to go to lots of different systems, key in the same information a lot of the time yeah. to lots of different systems, and then manually extract the information. Or And the challenge there is human error. So you've got this yeah. copy and paste syndrome that a lot yeah. of the guys suffer with um, in terms of gathering the contextual piece that goes ultimately into your report, into your instant report. So the instant benefit of a SOAR or a workflow automation system is the, doing the heavy lifting of that. It could go off to all these systems yeah. programmatically, gather that information based on the alert um, details that you have, and it's going to execute that um, in a structured, consistent manner. So yeah. you haven't got this um, copy and paste syndrome or human error factor. It's always going to get you the correct information. And based on the different systems you have, that could be tens of systems that it's going right. on to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that pulls back the context for the analyst. Now the analyst has something more meaningful to look at. And instantly, again, time-wise, you've shaved maybe hours off of, a, off of the life cycle for the analysts to then look at that information. And they can then look at using their experience, which is why you've got them in that team, to um, understand whether it's actually still a meaningful alert and requires further um, work or remedial or containment activities, or whether actually, based on the context, it's a false positive. Right. And I think the biggest benefit then is this feedback loop that you can create within the team, which says, okay, yeah, we've identified it as a false positive. How did we identify it as a false positive? Let's gather that criteria and let's build that into the system and let the system then identify it as a false positive. So again, you're doing this almost like a tuning cycle through your alerts that come out of the system to say, the system is behaving like the analyst at that point and saying, I've got all my context. I've reviewed it as I would, as an analyst would, and I've determined this is a false positive because that's what the analyst so, have done. So effectively you're building, I'm not going to use the word AI, but you're building a machine learning pop, pop part of yeah. the, of the platform yeah. within it. Um, obviously every, even AI, as we've all found out with the latest, uh, open AI and, and, uh, but it still needs to have experiences for it to be able to learn. Absolutely. So the, I'm assuming one of the advantages of the 
you know what Solonet do and 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 the and the products that you've built is that you're able to um, uh, effectively build a solution that is bespoke to each individual company based on how they're performing or or how their the company runs yeah. rather than it being a generic sort of AI model that comes in and makes assumptions based on massive global ones. It is actually so for example, alerts could be that um again, I'm not a security expert, so or everything I say has a massive caveat on it. And I just want to say that. <laughs> but but I'm assuming that if a company has a high proportion of people that are doing business in Russia, let's say, or or areas like that, um just stopping anything coming from Russia doesn't actually need productivity within that company. What they actually need is an understanding that where that alert's coming from or that IP address is coming from that's hit one of the many systems they've got is from an individual that they expect to be in that country at that time, at that point, yeah. and that's bespoke to their business. Absolutely. And every company will have their own kind of requirements around security and what they deem as effectively identifying a malicious actor or a bad actor amongst obviously all, all of their normal employee-based operations or if they're offering public services against you know their customers' operations. And that can be tricky. So obviously the um, advancement in the way that bad actors operate now and the technology that they have to their at their disposal makes it increasingly more difficult to identify them in and amongst normal good behavior yeah and that's the challenge that, that every company faces whatever size and so we we come in and and the first thing we will do is look at the landscape within the organization what are their priorities so where are the key areas for them in terms of um what do they need to protect and how are they currently protecting it does that fit in terms of their strategy so they'll, a lot of companies will have obviously a strategy in terms of um, security, but more generally about how they're operating, what services they're op uh, providing. And so, again, there's different challenges with how they then apply a security control yeah. and, and how it might impact upon their own operational capability, but also around services they provide. Um, and and again, using technology, again, we'll come on to the, the, the sort of partnerships um, that, that we're building, uh, obviously with, with Toka and the work we're doing with, with you guys. But our ethos around problem solving also extends to our partnerships. And we're looking at building a, a partner ecosystem of um, partners that offer technology that we feel complements our approach to problem solving. Yeah. And that's focused predominantly in security, but obviously with the background we have with development, with automation, it can be extended across multiple industries. But our expertise is is very much focused in the security sector right now. Um, but I think there's some great new technology coming. Um, and AI is a buzzword right now. It's similar to when cloud started. Yes. It's a banded around term that people tend to think they understand um, when the reality, as you say, is you need to have the data and you need to have the processes and the automation to really um, get the benefits from having a an AI element to what you do. And I think the challenge that companies have is getting that initial foundation to really get the benefits from employing an AI-based approach. Got yeah. Um, and again, as we've said, AI is great at providing uh, sort of 
a solution to something it knows what, yes. what about the learning activities how does it learn in the same way an analyst and and others learn in terms of um, the threats and how to deal with the threats and that's where again we're working with partners we're working with threat intelligence feeds um, that can help you know bolster those things uh, and really drive out um, a, a better security posture for our clients and that that's again through the relationships we're building and through our internal team that, that we're growing, it's it's as we refer to it, a, a trusted network of yep. people and partners. And that's that's what we're building from. Okay. So and and then therefore when you're working with uh, I mean, I suppose one question I have is is what what's the aim for the solutions you provide? It, it's one bit having obviously saving time. Um what what are the other benefits does that lead to then for those companies because you're not overly saving time and cost effectively based on analyst time etc but what are the other knock-on benefits they get from having this sort of orchestrated approach to the to these um instances i think um the primary benefit is that they they, they have a workforce that is focused on developing their own skill set um, in the areas that they're operating. So in a security operations center, the team involved, as I say, you, you'll have a blended mix of um, experience, but fundamentally they are um, focused on security and for them, they want to develop that skill set. So what it allows the companies to do is, is enable, it's an enabler for their team to, to build and grow and they need to say the threats are evolving. They need those skills. They need the guys to be, um, improving and doing this continual improvement um to get you know to be protected and to gain benefits in the future so it's it saves time it saves money but fundamentally it means that the workforce in these organizations by far is probably um a happier workforce they're focused on things they want to be focused on and therefore you're retaining that experience you're retaining that that knowledge within those organizations which is key um, you find that in large organizations, especially where you may have a high turnover of, of staff, yeah. it's very difficult then um, to keep that knowledge within the company. And you are more open then to having issues, breaches, security problems, because you're effectively having to bring those new faces up to speed and get them engaged with what you're doing. And if they're going to be um, effectively uh, following the same steps, a, a scripted approach to work, it's it's not going to attract the type of people that organizations want to have in, in that parts of the business. So I think we, we're an enabler for, for that, as well as opening up then a whole different view of how the company um, operates and also how they leverage, you know, the investments that they've made into technology. Yeah. A lot of the challenges that companies have is they will invest heavily in, in certain technology and probably use 10% of its capability. Got you. So we open the door up to um, how they're using it, what they're using, how they're using it, and how to really get maximum benefit from, from their technology. A lot of um, people we speak to get challenged with the usual response, well, why don't you just use? And it's, why don't you just use yeah. one of these? Yeah. And it's almost this um, throw it away kind of um, approach to, to, to meeting requirements. Yeah, I can't meet that, so throw that away and let's put this in instead. Whereas a lot of the time you can actually be a bit more creative and look at what they have and 
start to explore and exploit these other capabilities that they may not be utilizing and then bring systems together so you can have multiple different systems in isolation um, are quite cumbersome, are not really giving you value. So you start to bring them together, which is where we can help, then that really drives out this extra layer of efficiency and, and you start maximizing them what you've invested in. And, and that's another key, key piece to what we do. So you're elevating all of these multiple systems because some of the systems that you've talked about when we've been listening, Rapid7 for yes. one of them. I haven't got a clue what that is, but yeah. it's, uh, it's, I know our guys in the office who are uh, on that side you know, talk about all these sorts of pieces of kit. Yeah, yeah. And and so what I'm trying to, what I, I see and what, what you seem to be saying is there's um, obviously from a board point of view, they need these pieces of software to reduce their risk, yeah. to ensure business continuity, to make sure that they're meeting all the standards their customers expect them to meet, especially around data protection, et cetera, et cetera, and all those sorts of elements, especially if they're large companies. Yeah. But often... Um, you know, as happens in software, is um, uh, they they get a problem, they get an issue, they react, they buy a piece of software, they assume that that's actually solved it. But what you're actually saying is probably didn't need to buy that piece of software if you connected A, B, and C yeah. together. You actually have that piece of software anyway, and you save money. Absolutely, and it's that thing of um, again, there's a, the process flows, and 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 the, uh, we would call them, uh, I guess, playbooks that the SOC follow to deal with certain threats. Um, companies tend to get quite regimented in the way those are operated and the way they work, um, when because of the limitations that they've kind of created themselves, yeah. a technology. So again, one thing we look at is, well, let's look at those processes. Let's look at your technology. Let's look at all of the systems that you have have access to. How can we make this run more efficiently? How can we leverage more of this capability? And you know, there may be a whole host of things that you can then do to improve upon those things and actually make um, from a from a identification and uh, mitigation and containment perspective. You're obviously aimed at trying to do that as early as possible from the point of of when you identify a problem. Yeah. So that's the focus that we're trying to drive out by having these kind of um, discussions with with the customers and looking at um, their tech stacks and how they operate and as i say it's not a case of um yeah i would i would sort of dispense with this and, and go with this this product it's a case of if you've got something in there that we can leverage and utilize let's have a look and let's see what we can do and it's the create creative part to that i think that sets us apart in what got, we do got yeah so um in in uh, uh, just did just literally have a question there that's, that's just disappeared. But so obviously um, you you have um, these um, scripts and everything that you've built yourself. Can I ask what attracted you to coming to us, and what was your need that you had that we helped solve? So when we were looking at technology, again, coming back to kind of the evolution of technology in the security space, SOAR is a kind of new new technology. It's been around now for a while, and there's lots of different vendors offering a SOAR capability. But uh, what that's really driving out is, an, is a vehicle for automation. Um, and what, uh, what we developed is some integrations to tooling, to security tooling. So 200 plus of those covering all sorts of different tooling um, in different sec 
different sections of the security controls areas from SIEM, ITSM through to firewalling and, and everything else. Um, now, what we're looking at is historically, a SOAR is still built upon a framework of instant response and case management. So already you've got um, something that a customer is almost going to have to follow in order to leverage that that tooling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the challenge with that is that's fine for instant response. It's fine um, for case management and so on. But what happens if you've got a certain security process that you want to automate? So an example we, we have with a client, um, which was the reason we came in and, and talked to Toka is around vulnerability management. And you mentioned Rapid7, so it's a good one to come on to. So they, you've got a whole different suite of vulnerability management tools that will scan assets that the customer has, identify vulnerabilities, and then effectively create a nice report for the customer to go away and look at, right, how do I now remediate these vulnerabilities? And the challenge with that is um, whilst the tooling can create the scan reports and so on, it's how do you invoke a process whereby you're continually doing these checks, you're continually pulling the information back into your team and also then triggering any remediation process or activities that you need to do yeah. based on what, what's been reported. So we were looking at a, a workflow automation tool that would allow us to automate those processes as well as giving us some flexibility in terms of how the information is presented to the end yep. user. And that, again, isn't a SOAR because the SOAR have a very, you know, um, I guess, set framework in terms of how that operates. And whilst you've got all the integrations to the tooling and you've got capability in the SOAR, it is a SOAR. It's an instant response vehicle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what we were looking at is something slightly different. And um, Toka gave us that ability where we can we can leverage the work we've already done with our tooling integrations and add those as capabilities within the platform. So we've got there for the way to interact with, you know, the, the Rapid Sevens, the Brinkers, the the um, EPOs, the the seams, everything yeah. that you might need, we can interact with, pull the information back in, and then through the workflow engine, you know, orchestrate and automate the process. And that allows the things like the risk scoring to be applied to the assets. It allows for greater visibility, again, of high fidelity and, and actionable issues to the yeah. team. And it also enables them to trigger the remedial process. And that might be through the likes of a ServiceNow type instance where yeah. they have a defined support group for the asset that they need to notify to say, hey, guys, we've got a problem with this asset and these are the steps we need you to follow or they'll have um, you know, prescriptive steps that they follow. And it can even trigger that. So a lot of the time you may just want to contain the asset. So if, if it's uh, showing signs of, of having, say, a malware infection, and you think I need that device to be contained, yeah. that can also be triggered automatically. Right. So that again for us, it was looking at a platform that could offer that and it could also be extended. And certainly with the visualization to the user being a key aspect. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something that we felt we could deliver through our own um, sort of DevOps work and what we do, but also in line with what the Toka are doing with the platform with your roadmap and how you know those things fit together i think it for us it, it was a 
a great fit in terms of how how that can work. And already, as I say, we've got a client that we're working with and and that we're 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 building um, capability with. And I think you know it, it shows the value of of what can be done. Okay, cool. So the flexibility that Toka offers you is probably the key word that you yeah. could use within that over and above the other products that are out there. Absolutely. And I think you get there's a whole plethora of workflow engines out there. But again, the flexibility, the ability to um, leverage some capability that we've already developed yeah. is, is key. Um, you know, we, we've got other um, things that we're developing, other capabilities we're, we're developing. And again, the other things that are on the market, um, whilst they offer a basic workflow engine, we're not going to be able to leverage our capabilities with them. You're constrained to what they're offering and how they operate. Got yeah. And I think... Um, and then you have to put your capabilities in their roadmap for you even to... And that's absolutely. not right for your business. It, so how do I get to market quickly? It's not yes. doing that. You, exactly that. And I think um, the challenge then is even getting something on a roadmap, they'll have their own um, approach to the product development and, and the product architectures. And you're, again, having to um, fit into their their model. And, yeah. and as we know from, from the clients, you've got uh, individual requirements um, that the, the customers are looking to meet. How do you meet them? So that you need that flexibility, you need that um, capability to to be flexible enough to to provide the solution. And then, so does that give you an edge over your competitors? I mean, does that mean that you can go into a customer and say, they say, right, we have this, whereas a competitor may say, okay, I can get you that, but it's going to be four months' time. You can actually go, right, we'll have that tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's that's going to be one of the biggest things that we're building um, with with Toka platform is having that capability out of the box, pretty much. So you can go into any organisation that have some security requirements yes. or a need to interact with some tooling, and it's a, it's out of the box. It's a plug and play exercise for them. You know, you you've got the case of then uh, the concept of of workflows that can be pre built. Um, for various types of processes that they may have. And that enables them to get benefit rapidly. You know, they're not they're not spending months um, developing something. They're spending probably days just to get that capability in place and their team to start leveraging it and to start seeing some value in terms of what it's doing. And I think that's always going to be a big driver in the sector is time time to realize benefit as people say time to market but it's it's time for companies that um once they've deployed a, a solution they want to see some benefit yeah. and, and you know certainly in the security operations world time is key it, yeah it, it's it's um it's almost becoming an expectation now that um it, it's going to be very it's, it's a rapid turnaround in terms of the you know the value they see got you got you so yeah that 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 turnaround has to be all, not instant but it has to be literally starting to become as soon as you say yes on the on the contract we want that within this period of time because yeah obviously in the world we live in at the moment i'm assuming uh the the you know certain parts of the world are becoming more aggressive uh and uh therefore as you say time is key so yeah absolutely and i think as as i said earlier the partnerships we're building and toka being key into in the partner mix is around 
um, effectively a, a rapid deployment of capability. So when you're looking at the threat landscape and threat actors and things change overnight in yeah. terms of how how that landscape uh, is and, and the different intelligence that you gather around that. But customers will need to have a a control, a, a protection vehicle in place to deal with those things. And this is where we felt the market, specifically if you look at the small to middle enterprise customers who don't have huge budgets, these guys may be a one-man band in uh, in an IT function within an, within a any organization, but they are tasked with providing effectively a similar level of security control as a larger enterprise oh, yeah. because of what they're exposed to. Um, and so they haven't obviously got a huge budget. They haven't got a huge amount of resource to spend learning tech and, and learning into how, how things operate. They need solutions that effectively hit the ground running and they can, um, you know, climatize to and get familiar with, but they need to have the value, need to have the control from day yeah. one. And that's why, yeah, as I say, we're, we're building the partnerships and relationships to provide that kind of capability and solution as quickly as possible to 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 those organizations got yeah understood um i've remembered that one question so i'm going to jump yeah. back a bit um when you say you work with companies you obviously talked about understanding the landscape understand how they built their processes how they work how important is it that you understand the human aspect of a business in terms of the different um, departments they have within their yeah. security um, uh, capability, and and how important is it to ensure that you are bringing everybody within that capability on board? Because I'm under, you know, having worked in software for a bit, um, you know, if somebody's put their stamp their name to a, a piece of a product, then you go and go, that's great, but actually you need to do this with it that can all often fire up red flags or worries or concerns. Yeah. How do you alleviate that within the process? So for us, it comes back to our experiences and our background. And I think it's being relatable. So when we're talking to um, people, where whichever level they sit at within an organization, I think they can relate to our experiences because we've got those experiences. We've been in those organizations performing those roles and we understand the challenges that, that they're facing, but also obviously we understand that they've got, um, as we said before, they've got their own technologies, systems and software that they're working with daily. And the last thing that they want to hear is, oh, by the way, all of this needs to change. That's not going to sit well with anyone at any level. So we go in with with the approach of well let's see what you're trying to achieve what what's your pain points and we've been there we've experienced them ourselves and we can talk through the challenges and i yeah. think that becomes a conversation that they can relate to and relate to us you know with our team and that makes it an, an easier um proposition when we're looking at a solution so say a solution is just for us it's how do we best solve this problem and that's looking at what they have, how they operate, and the business functions within the companies, as you say, you end up a lot of the time actually opening up um, systems and processes to a wider audience. And actually, the wider business get more more value, more benefit from that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we've had examples where 
a system's gone in initially for maybe the SOC as a team. So it's a discrete user base within that organization. They're the guys that are focused on using the technology and, and the solution. And that then quickly grows into, well, hang on, we've got um, our onboarding team. So I'm, I am, and they're, 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 they're interested because they've got some requirements and we think that, yeah, the process that they've got to onboard people into an organization, you know, the levers and uh, joiners and levers processes and things might benefit from some of this as yeah. well. Um, and then you might have other parts of security like DLP that, that again, have very specific use cases and requirements. But contextually, they could benefit from what the ISOC analysts are seeing. Right. So, and that obviously brings to the table a lot of other parts of an organization that then start to gain benefit from having this joined up approach to how they're using their systems, how the information is being shared between the business units, how they work together, how they, you know, collaborate on, yeah. on things. I think that's a key part to it as well. It's driving out greater sort of collaboration within the organization. So um, that's where you gain your efficiencies. That that for us is a, is a key component to what we offer uh, and what we look at in any solution that, that we're driving is is that. That, that, got you. That, okay, understood. I mean, that's that's quite interesting because I hadn't thought of it from that point of view that actually the ability to connect all of those systems together allows you to actually share other information to other departments, which is almost added value. Yeah. That's a byproduct. Uh, absolutely. And yeah. it, you know, it's um, you know, it's probably not going to turn the wheel in terms of the, the the choice, but actually the additional benefit they're getting is yeah. is, is something that probably <laughs> you should start looking at measuring in the future. Yeah. Because um, that sounds, you know, that sounds uh, ideal. Absolutely. I think, um, the, as I say, the constraints and the challenges that the smaller to medium-sized companies have is budget. They haven't yeah. got a huge budget. They can't afford to be spending hundreds of thousands on licensing of systems every year. Um, they need to maximize what they've got um, and what they've invested in. And that's, again, what we're focusing on. And and I think there's um, a real gap there within organizations um, that, they're effectively, as you say, it's a byproduct, but actually they're, they're missing um, this transition, if you like, in terms of how they how they join up. And again, coming back to the AI um, piece, it's it's the latest thing that's being talked about a lot. There's a lot of focus on it now um, within all different sectors. Um, but without having that joined up view, without having that joined up um, way of operating and the data, that's not going to function. You're going to struggle to get any real benefits uh, from it. Because if we get trained on different, on, on one data sets, it misses another data set. So actually, without that holistic data that's coming into it, it won't learn in the way you want it to learn. Yeah, yeah. it's like anything. It's, um, you know, you you have this concept of of learning and, you know, you read one book, therefore you're an expert on that one book. Um, it doesn't oh, give you the the overall view of you know what the um, subject matter is that's that's there. So the more information, the more data that you've got access to, the broader that knowledge becomes, and the better that solution becomes, and the better that um, system works. Or and that's all interlinked then in terms of that um, the learning models and how AI could help. 
Got you. And, and now I, I fully understand how that, you know, something like, well, I'm going to say a, a Tocker allows you to actually get those integrations going, that yep. data flowing, and then Absolutely. obviously if you're tooling it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Got you. Okay. Um, we're just about to come up to time. Thank you very much for your time, Mike. That was really interesting. I think actually we might do another one in because uh, I know you're infosec. Yes, that's right. Yeah, we are. We our first infosec this year, and then obviously proud to be there with Toka and our and our other partners. And yeah, we are in the discovery zone on stand F84. For anyone that's coming along, please come by. We've got a great demonstration of zero trust. So people are interested in zero trust technology. And that's it. Please mention all your other partners. We're a holistic yeah, so room got, here. So we've got Adam Networks, who are our zero trust partner. And we've got Unify, who yeah. are a service introduction partner. Um, and yeah, we, we're, we're constantly getting. Um, sort of threads from different organizations now that we are exhibiting and our presence is becoming known it's great to see the interest out there from from different companies offering different technology uh, and and different services that we think complement our ethos and our partner network and that's what we're keen to expand and offer to our clients is is that um view of here's security here's the controls here's the solutions but here's a mindset Here's an ethos of how to apply problem solving to to your company, and I'm sure there's a way we can help. Yeah, got you. Um, well, I'll be joining you on that stand as well. Yeah. So if anybody are interested to see how we are partnering together, um, it'll be great to see them. Um, thank you for your time, Mike. Um, if you are uh, liking what we're doing here, we have a number of more that have been lined up uh, to uh, podcasts that are lined up to come out in the next few weeks. So please hit subscribe. Um, and Mike, thank you for your time. And we shall speak after InfoSec. Yeah, it's been a, been a pleasure. Thanks, Keith. Thank you.